We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We get to begin our worship with baptism. It's the perfect way to begin worship today. It's a perfect complement to our reverse text for today. We get to see life anew. We know that this water is a picture. It's a picture of something that God is doing in each and every one of our lives, that we are buried with Christ in his death and we are raised to walk in newness of life. That's what we see here, a new young lady walking with the Christ recognizing who she was and knowing who she is in relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we come to baptism. Daphne, come. Daphne, do you profess Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord? Yes. Amen. Buried with Christ in his death and raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Pretty fabulous way to start a worship service. Amen? Amen. And a great way to end the year. We are proclaiming that Jesus is the only way, the only way. So as we begin our worship this morning, we do so in the light of this Christmas season. We continue to worship this newborn king. So you'll take your hymnals, and we're going to sing two verses of Joy to the World and two verses of O Come All Ye Faithful. Let's stand together. Let's sing with for all we've got.
Well, good morning again. Welcome to worship on this first Sunday after Christmas. It is a privilege to gather here. You know, friends, now the work of Christmas begins. When you bring a new child home from the hospital, it's not all over, right? Now the work begins. Now the... Now you, you visit that family and you, you bring them meals and you clean their house and you, you really pray for them and support them. Now Jesus begins the work that he came to do, even as an infant, to come and to shape the hearts and minds and lives of all creation. So we continue to sing and celebrate this great good Savior. So we're going to take a page from the shepherds today. Listen to this scripture from Luke 2, 15 through 18. Follow along as they read it. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began to say to one another, let's go straight into Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he was lay in the manger. When they had seen him, when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child, and all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. They went and told everybody they could, can you believe this great thing that has happened? So we, too, go into all the world and tell them this great thing that has happened, this great Savior. Let's stand again. Take your hymnals. Hymn 95. Go, tell it on the mountains. Let's sing. around you in worship this morning. just up here just belting it out singing while we're, we're greeting so let's uh praise god for that it's good to see you this morning we're, we're grateful that you're here and you're at first baptist church with us this is a good day to be in the house of the lord if you're a visitor with us today we would love to get to know you um, and the way we do that is these cards it should be in the pew back in front of you 
If you would fill one of these out and give us your name and you put it in the offering plate at the end of the service, um, we would love to get to know you. You know, we come together today because we know that when we gather in around Christ, we find life. Uh, apart from Christ, there's nothing. Uh, apart from Christ, you, f- you find the stranglehold of the world that leads to death. And so we come in and we know life and we come in and we praise Jesus Christ in this place because he brings us life, he brings us hope. As we finish out 2019, our only hope is in the person of Jesus Christ. So that's why we're here, we, to lift up his name, to praise his name and say, Jesus Christ is my Lord. So thank you for being faithful to that. Thank you for being faithful to be here and to praise his holy name. It is a good day. Let's pray together. Lord, it is a blessing to be in your house, to be together with our church family. And Lord, we pray that as we come into this place, Lord, and your praise is on our lips, we we pray that, that you're blessed, that it would be a sweet offering unto you. And Lord, we we hope for your spirit to move in this place. Lord, we, we've read stories, we've heard stories, we've seen it before when your spirit swoops in upon a people and does holy work. Lord, we pray that such a thing might happen here. Trusting in you and the movement of your spirit, come, Lord. Come show us who you are. May we see clearly May we know you intimately. It's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Pastor calling me out for singing up here. (laughs) I was just trying to act out the reverse scripture this week. The musicians were causing a ruckus. And so... We were going to stage an epic flute battle, but but we we decided, decided against that. But... (laughs) That's great, isn't it? The flute players, man. (laughs) So as we we prepare to to get to the word this morning, we've got this scripture in Ephesians that reminds us that we were all dead to our sin, but because of Christ, we have life. So follow along as I read Ephesians 2, 1 to 5. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy... Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And all God's people said, aren't you grateful for that? Let's continue to worship everybody. Take your hymnals, turn to 98. I heard the bells on Christmas Day standing together as we sing.
may be seated. Please continue to worship. We're so grateful to have you worshiping on TV with us this morning. We're grateful for those of you in our TV congregation as well. So we greet you. You like those? Come on down. It's good to see all of you this morning. So glad you're here. Come on in. Come on in. Yeah. All right. So have y'all, have y'all had a good Christmas? Yeah. Yeah. Did you have a good Christmas? Well, I want you to think back with me. Think, think back over the, the last week. And so think through all the things you did at Christmas, all the time that with your family. How many of you did something helpful? Did any of you do something helpful? Tell me, what, what's something helpful that you did over Christmas? Oh, put the paper in the trash. That's a good one. What else? Helped cook. Ooh, good job. What else? Bake cookies. Man, what about over here? Did you do something helpful over Christmas? Good job. Well done. Picking up the, the present trash. Yeah, what else? Make dinner. Make dinner. Man, y'all are good. Y'all are really helpful. Good job. You made a feast? Man, that's perfect. <laughs> Good job making the feast. Now, let, let me ask you this. Now, the other side. Did somebody do something helpful for you? Did anybody do something helpful for you over Christmas? What, what was it? I got all the stuff to my room. Oh, help move stuff to your room? Yeah? Your mom helped you set the table? Man, that's a nice mom. Oh, your mom got you presents. Good. Fixed your jewelry, nice. Anybody, what, what else? Somebody do something helpful for you? Yeah, that's always nice. We get all the family to come in, and that's always helpful. Yeah, one more. What? Um, and make my bed. Oh, somebody made your bed for you. Man, that's nice. That's always good. Now, I say that. I want you to listen to the text today. When we get to the sermon, we're going to be reading in Matthew 9, and Jesus was perfectly helpful, and he did exactly what was needed. And so I want us to think about that. When we go through the next week, or we go through the rest of the day, when we need help, our Savior Jesus is with us and for us. And no matter what you need, Jesus loves you, and Jesus will help you. And so I hope you seek out Jesus whenever and whatever you need in the days ahead. I want you to listen real carefully in the sermon today to see how Jesus helped a family in Matthew 9, okay? All right, let's pray and we'll go. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thankful, we're thankful for how gracious you are, how you've touched each one of our lives, and Lord, how you continue to build us up into a holy people. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen. You'll take your hymnals. We'll continue with hymn 103, Away in a Manger, standing together. Let's sing.
be seated. Find your listening sheet. It looks like this. We're going to read aloud together our text today from Matthew 9, 23 through 26. Let's stand and read that together. This then is the text for today. When Jesus came into the official's house, and saw the flute players and the crowd in noisy disorder, he said, Leave, for the girl has not died, but is asleep. And they began laughing at him. But when the crowd had been sent out, he entered and took her by the hand, and the girl got up. This news spread throughout all the land. May God bless the reading of his word. One of the great joys of being a pastor is helping people plan their funerals. You might think it would be somber, but so often it is a joy to consider a life well lived. So often people come to the office and, and want to talk about life, want to talk about what songs will be sung at their funeral, what scriptures will be read, who might speak, who might be involved. And it's a beautiful thing to work through those things together. It's a blessing to hear those stories because so often the stories I hear about people, I only learn after their death. You know, it's a blessing to, to hear those beautiful stories of faith and life before the funeral. We can share in those together. And there's a pretty standard way to have a funeral. When we come together and we look, this is what a funeral might look like. We begin to play the, the standard funeral. Starts with a visitation the night before. 
your family and friends gather to love on one another. Don't look into your casket. See the lifeless body. Then we'll move forward. We'll get to the service. There'll be a song or two. There'll be a scripture or two. We'll say a few words about your life. And it will be good. Unless it wasn't. You know, the first funeral I ever did was for a man that everyone in town knew lived a hard life. Everyone in town knew this man was a difficult man. It was, it was one of those moments where everybody comes to hear what you're going to say. Because they know if you say too many good things, you're not talking about the same man. And you know, that day, for that funeral, the very first funeral I ever did, the whole town showed up for this funeral. One, because they loved his family and the love on his family. But two, they wanted to know what I was going to say about him. And we talked a lot about that one good thing he did. May your funeral not be so. And then after the funeral, we load up together with the family on the way to the burial. And, and all the pallbearers get the great privilege of walking you to your grave. It's our way of facing death. It's our way of putting death into perspective. It's, it's our way of walking through it together. To recognize even in that moment what the Lord is doing in our lives for our families. For believers, it is a sweet moment of releasing our loved ones into heaven. May it be so at each of our funerals. But we come to our text today, and we have a 12-year-old girl who's caught in the middle. A 12-year-old girl who is at death's door and, in fact, dies in our text for today. She's there at death's door, and she dies while her father is seeking our Lord Jesus Christ. Because the father knows there's, there's only one hope for this girl. And yet, she dies. Let's look again at the first text for today. Romans, uh, excuse me, Matthew 9, verse 18. While he was saying these things, Jesus was, was teaching, Jesus was with others. And a synagogue official comes to him bows down before him and says, my daughter has just died. If you would come lay your hand on her, she will live. And then as all of this is unfolding, as, as this man is falling before the Lord, as he's coming for Jesus Christ, saying, I know your word will help. I know your touch will save her life. She dies. And then all around her begin making those funeral arrangements. The standard funeral of the day begins to unfold. Let's look at verse 23. When Jesus came into the official's house, he saw the flute players and the crowd in noisy disorder. Flute players and mourners. This was the, the beginning of a standard funeral. See, it sounds odd to us. It seems like it would, it would put us off. But in that day and in that way, this was the beginning of the standard funeral. This is exactly what you did. You, you brought in those who are a part of the service. And so even for the poorest of folks and the most meager of funerals, you always had three things. One of those things that you had, um, or two of those, were, were two flute players. And so the first thing, you hired two flute players to come in and play, and they, they were a part of the mourning in the home, and they played for and with the family. The third thing, and the other thing that you brought in, was a woman to wail. And this, this was an actual job, an actual position, where she would come in and she would cry and wail and make all kinds of noise. In fact, she would even have some kind of percussion instrument or a drum, and she would bang on the drum, and it would be this loud moment of commotion. And in fact, so the, the way the funerals played out, the, the better funeral that you had or the larger funeral that had or the more money that you had, the louder it was and, and the more chaotic it was. You'd bring in more than two flute players, more than one mourning woman. You, you would bring them in and there would be this loud noise coming out of your house and everyone would know that you were mourning and mourning well over the loss of your loved one. 
And see, that's what, that was what was happening for this 12-year-old girl who had died. They had brought in all of those mourners, and this, they weren't singing Amazing Grace. This was meant to be chaotic racket, and it was a, it was a sign of, of what had happened. And this was the standard funeral that Jesus walked into as he followed Jairus back into his home. His daughter was dead, and all the appropriate arrangements are being made. It's over. You know, not everyone gets to go through a, a, a standard funeral, though. Some of us miss that privilege. There are times that life doesn't allow a standard funeral. There are times that life doesn't even allow a funeral at all. Times of tragedy or poverty may not get a standard funeral. Times of war or neglect, a person might not get a standard funeral. Such is the case in Ezekiel 37. There's no standard funeral that has happened. In fact, there's no funeral at all that's happened in Ezekiel 37. We, we see in this moment the, the prophet Ezekiel is brought forth into a valley that looks like a bloody battle has been fought there. The desolation is complete. There's not a single sign of life left. Life is gone. It is over. An entire army, maybe even all of Israel, is left slaughtered and unburied. Slaughtered without a funeral. Slaughtered without proper remembrance. Even the buzzards have picked their bones clean before someone could give them a proper burial. Read with me as we get into Ezekiel 37, 1 and 2. This is that text. The hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. Verse 2. He caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. This is as desolate a scene that you will find on this earth. This is the valley of death. It was a sign of what was coming. It was a sign of what was. This was Israel cut off from God. This is a, a sign of what is, and this is a sign of what will be. See, too often we downplay the curse of sin upon our lives. We downplay the effectiveness that temptation has on our hearts. But you need to hear the Lord here. Hear the, the, the Lord speaking prophecy over Israel. Hear the Lord through Ezekiel. Because this is exactly what our hearts and lives begin to look like when we refuse a relationship with God. And I say refuse intentionally. Israel had done that time and time again where they refused the Lord to go out on their own. And when they refused the Lord to be on their own, this is the kind of thing that happened. They were left in a valley of death, left lifeless. See, it happened time and time again. Many times Israel had been brought forth out of the dark wilderness, and yet they grumbled and they complained. They gave in to the, the pressures of temptation. They gave in to the, the pressures of foreign deities and foreign nations. They chased after the ways of the world. And God had already given them everything. God had set everything before them. God had brought them out of slavery, set the promised land before them. God had given them all. And yet they refused the Lord over and over again. Some of us have futures like that set in front of us. And we need to learn from the mistakes of Israel. Do, do you know what they found? Do, do you know what the people of God found when they chased after the things of the world? Do, do you know what they found when they wanted to go back to Egypt? Do, do you know what they found when they succumbed to Bathsheba? Do you know what they found when they assimilated pagan cultures into their kingdom? Do you know what they found when they decided to do things on their own? Do, do you know what they found? Do, do you know what they found when they set out and said, this is us? We will do things our way. Do you know what they found? They found death. They found Ezekiel 37. They ended up as scattered skeletons, disjointed and hopelessly clinging to dust. Some of us have that very same thing in our future, disjointed, lifeless, clinging to dust as if that is all we have. This was the people of God clinging to the dust. 
See, this is what sin does to our hearts and our lives. It separates us from God. It moves us out of His presence and out of His blessing. Our souls become as a barren wasteland apart from repentance. Let us not think for a moment that we are any better off than Israel. We've not learned from their mistakes. We refuse life to chase after death. And when we refuse life, when we refuse the Lord and set out on our own, we will find nothing other than this desolate valley of death that Ezekiel saw. Because that's what the world brings us to. That's what sin and temptation leads to. Always. There is not another way out. There, there is not another way that we get to on our own other than lifeless bones rotting in the dust. That is our future apart from Jesus Christ. But you know, we have good news. And we have good news in the gospel. We have good news in Matthew. We have good news in the person of Jesus Christ. Though we still behave like Israel, God still behaves like God. God is unchanging. God is constant. It goes back to the beginning. God was breathing life in Genesis. He's breathing life in Ezekiel. He's breathing life in the Gospels, into Revelation, into the church today. That is what God does. God brings us to life. He revives us and said, you have new life in the Spirit. See, God is patient, wanting all of us to come unto repentance. You know, the amazing thing about Ezekiel 37 is this scene is portrayed as long over. There's no more hope. For months, if not years, whatever battle was fought there long ceased to be. And the bones that are left on the ground are closer to petrification than life. And what does God do with these bones that are nearer to petrification? What does God do with them? Let's look, let's look at the next section, Ezekiel 37 Look at 7 and 10. Ezekiel is told by God to prophesy the word of the Lord over these bones. And this he says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. I prophesied, and there was a noise. Behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And Now let's look at verse 10. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them. They came to life and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. The breath of the Lord came upon the dead, and they were raised to new life. This is what God does from the beginning. When life seems hopeless, we run to the Lord. And when we can't run, we, we look up and we embrace him. We listen to him. We call out to him. And we need to see in this moment that there's not one of us that's too far gone for the Lord. There's not one of us who is in a hopeless situation that's more hopeless than what was found in that valley in Ezekiel 37. There's not one of us that God cannot bring into new life, that God cannot revive into something new. And that's what God's doing. So he's doing in your heart. That's what he's doing in the city. He's reviving it to new life. The Spirit is moving and working. You know, if we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 2, go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, God is down getting his hands dirty in the dust of the earth. And what he's doing in that moment, he's bringing just the dust up and he breathes onto the dust. And out of that comes life. Because the breath of God holds the authority and the power of life. He breathes onto the dust and it becomes man. It becomes woman. The Spirit of God is always a vivifying hope. See, there's no way for God not to bring revival there's no way for God not to bring revival into your life as he breathes on you. When Jesus touches you, when you know his, the sound of his voice, the hope that fills our life is like nothing else we'll experience on this earth. And the same thing, this very same thing happened to a 12-year-old girl in today's text. If you look with me at verse 18. It's the beginning of our text. Jesus is speaking. He came, and the synagogue official comes and bows down to him. This is what the synagogue official says. My daughter's died, but come lay your hand on her, and she will live. See, that's what God does. E even to the dead, the, this is the Messiah. He comes, and he lays his hand on the dead, and the dead are raised up to new life. Lepers are healed. The blind see the dead are raised in the power of Jesus Christ. This is who he is and what he does. If you touch her, she will live. See, this ruler knew who Jesus was. 
knew this was the thing that Jesus did. And if Jesus would touch his daughter, she would be reborn. We're made new. When, when we are lifeless and we are purpose, purposeless, the only remedy is found in relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the only way out of death. It's the only way out of purposelessness as knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. And the father knew that literally the only hope for his daughter was Jesus. And she needed him now. In verse 25, the crowd was sent out. All, all of those mourners, Jesus said, this is not time for a funeral. And there's no need for a funeral. He sends them out. And he entered and he took, Jesus takes her by the hand. And the girl got Death does not have the final say on this life and on this earth. You see, us, in, in, in our limited physical understanding of everything, it, we see from the most basic human perspective, death feels final. When we're standing before a casket, it feels like life is over. When we're planning a funeral, it, it seems like this is it. It seems like there's nothing left. D death seems to be the final arbiter of all things on this earth. But death has never held any power over God. And death will never hold any power. It was all proven in the cross. See, that's what the cross was. Cross was victory over death. Cross was, the cross was victory over sin. You see, all death is is a byproduct of sin. Death holds no sway. It's a, it's a byproduct. It is a disease. And the disease that death is was cured on the cross. And so that's what we cling to. We cling to Jesus Christ on the cross knowing that we might be saved and given new life. You see, what we have to understand in this place today is that as long as Jesus reigns, revival is possible. As, as long as Jesus is Lord, he is always going to be bringing people up out of the grave, bringing people up out of the death that they have found in sin and temptation and saying, you now have new life. That's the same promise that Jesus has given to each one of us and is, is promising and prophesying over this church. You can have and you will have a new life in the Spirit. You see, you see, none of us, neither you nor society, is too far gone because the Spirit of God is at work doing something holy in His people. And as long as the Spirit is doing something, none of us are too far gone. See, the church is being brought up for new life as a witness to this dead world. You know, often we talk about a dying world, but that may be mistaken. Because the truth is the world is already dead in sin. There, there are so many around us who are walking in dead because they are walking in sin. There's no life in those bones if you do not have Jesus Christ. There's no, there's no life, there's no heartbeat without Jesus Christ in your life. And you, you can be revived. The church can be revived. The city can be revived. Our nation can be revived as the Spirit of God moves. As the Spirit of God moves across us, moves across this place, just as it moved across the valley of dry bones. Just as though the Spirit of God came upon Jairus' daughter, God brings new life to all of us. Don't refuse what the Spirit is doing this morning. God, God is at work. The Spirit is moving. God is moving. Don't refuse what God is doing in your heart and in your life. Because it's so easy for us to be like Israel and chase after the things of this world and find ourselves caught in death. When the way of the Lord is for you to begin to Come to life for your body to know something new, to walk in the Spirit of God. Do not refuse life for one more day of death because one more day of death just might be final. One more day of sin and temptation just might be final. Let us not refuse life this day. Because our God is good and offering us one more way out. Let's pray together.
Lord, we are a people in need of a Savior. Every one of us in here need your healing hand. You would heal the physical, but Lord, more importantly, would you come and heal us spiritually? Take these hearts of stone that have been weathered into dust and make them live again. Lord, that we might follow you in your coming kingdom and see the glory of the Lord in all of its might. It's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. We have our time of response now. And everybody in here is going to respond to God in some way. So let, let's do it obediently unto the Lord. One of the ways that you can do that, there's some prompts at the bottom of your listening sheet. Maybe one of those is a way that you need to respond to the Lord this morning. The altar is open. We need to come forward and pray. And if you'll come, and we'll, we'll pray with you here. As we sing, I'll be down at the front. You, you may need to come and, and talk about accepting Christ becoming a part of this church. This is the time to do it. As we sing, come and visit with me down front. We're, we're going to sing. We're going to give. We're going to do so cheerfully and obediently unto the Lord. So let's do this well. For our Lord, who has loved us dearly. So you're welcome to remain seated while you respond. The rest of us, let's stand and respond to our Lord. Continue to worship now as we do so through our giving. You may be seated.
Seth, you are a blessing to us. Thank you. Let's come to our life together, and we'll look forward to 2020 and what God is doing. And one of our favorite things around here is Christianity Explored. We hope if you haven't, take the time to go through Christianity Explored. We have uh, two different sessions, one on Sunday morning, one on Wednesday evening. Those will start January 12th and January 15th. Now, this is a 10-week Bible study through the book of Mark that answers three questions. One, who is Jesus? Two, why did he come? And three, what difference does it make in my life? You need this Bible study, and there may be others in your life who need this and need a clearer picture on who the person of Jesus Christ is. So we hope you'll, you'll take the opportunity to walk through this Bible study with us. It is a good time together. Another thing that we do well here and we love to do together is strategic planning. So January 17th or 18th, it's a Friday night or Saturday morning, we gather together and we pray and we look ahead. And we hope for and we anticipate what God might have in store for this church in 2020. So if you want to help speak into our staff and help pray for our church and look forward into 2020 with us, come to one of those strategic planning times together They're always good. They're always helpful for us. So we hope you'll come and be a part of those. We do have a welcome to the world on screen and uh, up in the balcony with uh, Sarah Elizabeth. Josh and Suzette have had their new little baby. You see her right up there in the balcony. Yeah, born December 21st. So we praise God for that new life. And also you see the altar flowers in front of me given to the glory of God and in memory of B.F. Knapp. So we praise the Lord. Aaron, come, and he has one more uh, Life Together moment for you. This is really good parenting. Every Sunday of her life that she wasn't in a hospital, she has come to church. So, so <laughs> way to go, guys. We, we are grateful for you guys. Hey, you know, in all my years of being a professional musician, never once has someone come to me and said, I am so glad I stopped taking piano lessons. I'm so glad I quit. Usually the conversation goes more like, man, if I'd have just kept, kept with it, if I'd have just hung in there a little longer, I could, I could be playing now. Well, friends, have I got a deal for you. You know that here at First Baptist Church, we have the Imago Arts Academy, and this is open for everybody from six to over six. So if you, if you're one of those people that took lessons as a kid and really want to take it up again, well, sign up today. If you want to get your kid or your grandkid um, involved in music in some way or art in any way, we have dance classes, we have painting, we have all kinds of things that, that we want to offer. We feel like this is a way to reflect the creative nature of our creative God. So you can come and we'll find a class for you. We'll find a teacher for you. We want you to be a part of that. And if, if that's maybe not what you want to do, but you want to support the Arts Academy, I would encourage you to help underwrite a student to come and and take these lessons. You would bless beyond measure some family or or some individual. So let me encourage you to do that. That's the Imago Arts Academy. And continue to pray for them. We are so grateful for them. As we are dismissed today, let's uh, stand together and sing, Arise, Your Light Has Come. Bless you all.
First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.